I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, Use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. It is a cold day in Santa Cruz. We're bundled up in our studio. April made me some nice hot cocoa. It's very romantic. Just I actually kidding. love hot cocoa. She didn't make me hot cocoa. I was on an airplane yesterday. I could if you wanted some. I was on an airplane yesterday and someone behind me, I was just like Southwest Airlines, someone's like, can I get a hot cocoa for my kid? <laughs> They're like, we don't have hot cocoa. What about chocolate milk? <laughs> you got any chocolate milk back there? I mean, if you don't ask, the answer will always be no, I guess. You're so. lucky to get water on the airplane <laughs> these days. So fucking hot cocoa, come on. I was cracking up in my seat. I love hot cocoa. <laughs> It was cute. Oh, that is classic. Yeah. So today we have OMG, our favorite, Dr. Nan Weiss. She's back. Is it the fifth time, sixth time? We I forgot what we said on air. I lost track. She comes on our show almost quarterly to answer sex questions, and she's almost like our resident sex therapist, our our resident PhD. Oh, it makes us more accredited. <laughs> she's a smart cookie. She's amazing. She's wonderful. And this episode is about how to talk to your partners about sex. This is a common issue for a lot of folks, and a lot of the sex questions we get, even if they're not asking, how do I talk to my partner about sex? I feel like it's often the answer where we're like, have you talked to them yet? And here's how you can talk to them. And we answer some sex questions in the episode where she elaborates on how to dive deeper into that and how to share your hurts and your wants and your needs and all the in-betweens. So we love you, Dr. Nan. Thank you for being part of the Shameless Sex team. Oh, she's the best. I wish she was here with us. I can't wait to hang out with her in person someday and our dogs can all play. Okay, so let's just dive on in. We've been trying to make our intros a little shorter these days based on some of your feedback. Um, So if you complained about our intros being a little long, um, now maybe you can rewrite your review and say they listen to me and it's really short now. Okay, so let's do a sex question. This one is from a heterosexual vulva owner. I have HSV2, that's herpes simplex virus 2, and in my 20 plus years of having it, I've only given it to one partner. I know precisely which sexual encounter is the source of his contact, which caused him contracting it. I have so much shame around this piece of personal history and have a lot of fear around telling new partners. What can you recommend for starting the most productive dialogue with a new potential partner? This is a really good question. Yes, it is. Yeah. We did an episode that was oh, with, with Remy. With Remy. Yeah, I'll look it up. Who is a doctor. She's actually local here to Santa Cruz. She's actually a nurse practitioner. Sorry, Remember, we a, call her doctor. I always <laughs> call her a doctor because she's so knowledgeable. Nurse practitioner. She's amazing. And a lot of skills it's around. episode 120, the STD, aka STI episode with Remy Paye with two L's. Right. Yes. There's a lot of shame around STDs in general. It's not a sexy topic. So some folks shut down and it also is something that is necessary if you're sexually active at all. Even if you have have long-term partners or if you are exploring new partners, which this person is exploring new partners and sounds like she wants to learn how to have a productive dialogue. This is something that I've dealt with my yeah. whole entire adult life because I uh, contracted so, um, HSV-1 when I was 17. Okay, so one is genital and two is oral? So typically one is actually oral. Oh, interesting. But it can come up as, as genital if you receive But it. yours is on your bits. But mine is on my bits, but okay. it's HSV-1, which is a yeah. little bit more common. I feel like I have the one aggressive. that's usually on your genitals on my lips. <laughs> I have the oral, ver- or on. I have it orally, but it's a, like, it's a, it used to just show up. Oh God, I'm going to get so many dates after this. It used to just show up on my lips, but now it like crawled onto my chin, <laughs> which actually is less shameful because it just looks like poison oak or something. Uh, but there's still a lot of stigma around that. 
Like, I mean, I think there's less stigma around oral cold sores, but you have to walk around in the world. Well, we're masked now. Well, not everywhere, but well, yeah. that's helpful. Well, HSV-1 is mainly transmitted oral to oral. It can be oral to genital, which is uh, what happened with my situation. And so how do you talk to new partners or partners in the past that were new about having the herpes virus? So similarly to what this person is saying, I kind of have been able to manage the outbreak situation, which is when you're most contagious. So if you are dealing with this disease or this STI, it is something that you hopefully can recognize in your body, this tingling sensation that happens. And then that is when you know that you can actually give it to other folks. So you have to be cautious and shut down and talking to your partners can be heavy. I've chosen to always let my partners know and remember condoms don't protect against herpes at all because it's skin to skin contact so well they can't they can but they're not it's not guaranteed uh, right it's still not necessarily something that because condoms are on the penis so if you're a vulva owner and it's on your anus or yeah. it's um, on your bits you can't even see it it can still be contracted on a hand that goes somewhere Some else balls hit your vulva and bam exactly so you have to really manage it so going into the conversation i it's it's really hard it's it takes a lot of courage and practice and it's very common it's very 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 common and some folks are just carriers and never have a symptom but they still have it in their bodies and other people get outbreaks sometimes once a year sometimes multiple times a year so learning how to manage that and there's lots of information now out there about how to manage it and coming to what I've said to partners is hey I've had this thing since I was 17 I know exactly when I cannot have contact with you same if you have a cold sore on your mouth you know when you can kiss folks and when you can't when we used to share food and straws, you knew when not to do that. Uh, it's the same with the genitals and it's just, you can't see it. So I say, rest assured, there's always a risk and, and it's up to you. If you are uncomfortable with that, then completely know that I understand you can walk away and know that you're not for this person that has HSV two for 20 plus years, you're not broken, you're not fucked up and it's a bummer. And it's something that it's more of a pain in the ass. You're not going to die from it, but it's just a pain. And it's so common is the other thing. What are the stats? It's like 80% of the humans on this planet have some form of herpes virus, whether it's cold sores or on your bits. And, and that's give or take a few, I assume. Um, and a lot of people don't even know that they have have it and the it's just it's just like if you're alive basically your chances of having this are are bigger or grander than uh not having it granted well not not for the small children's but you know there's also children that are born that get it from their parents just coming into this world right it's not just from sex that they get this absolutely and i know that my mom, my grandmother, I had uh, aunts that always had cold sores growing up, and I knew that. And um, I never have had a cold sore on, on my face, but it says about there's about 13.2% of the world's population that have tested positive for HSV2. Only 13. Oh, for HSV2. Okay, so remind me. So HSV1 is generally oral. HSV1 is generally oral. HSV2 okay. is generally genital. Got it. Uh, so the mix with um, HSV1 and HSV2, the uh, it's it's and remember some people are just carriers, but there's something 3.7 billion people under the age of 50 have billion. HSV1 globally. Nice so this is only stats. HSV1 and then HSV2. So that's not necessarily 80 percent, but still that's a huge 60, number. It's 67 percent, and yeah. then 13 percent have HSV. HSV uh, two, so sixty-seven with HSV one, and thirteen percent with HSV two. Well, so- let's take that into consideration. How normal this is, and how common this is, and so it's interesting that we would have stigma around something that is so common and it's all, it's more common than not having it. But so this, but the stigma is about that and not the not having it piece, but it's because there's this thing that you now have to deal with that other people might not want. So I have found as someone who has oral cold sores, who, if I were to share that with a partner, Hey, just, so I have this, this thing that happens on my lips. Um, and I know how to manage it. I have a prescription for the minute I feel there's an issue. 
I also know the diet protocol. Um, when I feel like I'm about to get an outbreak, which is very rare these days because I've done a lot of work to kind of overcome it and, and make it go dormant in my body. Um, the diet you want to do is really high in lysine um, and low in arginine. And I won't go into a lot of detail about it, but if you Google high, ar- high lysine, low arginine diets, it'll give you a list of the foods that you can eat or that you should eat that is better for you. And you do that for like two to three days in the beginning and it kind of kills it. And so I tell my partners, I understand what it feels like. I'm not going to kiss you if I feel like it's happening or it is happening. I will be honest with you. And I know how to manage it. And that's all I can really do. So do you still want to make out with me? No one has ever said, I don't want to make out with you yet, um, but they could. And I think the same thing applied to the genital version. Um, and you know, someone might opt out. I, I do know some people that have opted out of having sex with people that had genital herpes because it was a big deal for them. And I know plenty of people that said, right on. Thank you for knowing your body, being honest with me. And I trust you and I want this. So the reason this spreads a lot, especially, well, with oral, it's a little bit easier to see because the it's on your face face. and sometimes people don't know they're having uh, a genital outbreak because they're not familiar with what they're looking at your genitals all the time. And (laughs) and some folks that are, they're asymptomatic. So they actually carry it. They have some of the symptoms, but don't understand it's so minimal. They don't understand what's going on. And so this is why this virus continues to perpetuate in society. And there's Valtrex or the generic version. Valcyclovir. Right. Is, is I, my insurance covers it for seven dollars and i can pop that before and it works completely well it doesn't necessarily hinder the transmission but the growth the further growth or of on your own body it does i think that it decreases that when you catch at the right time right right and just just to go back and think about those numbers the 67 percent with hsv1 the almost 14 percent worldwide with hsv2 if you're a sexually active person between the age of, and this is from 14 to 49 years old, then you have come into contact with this most likely. Yep. So just be aware that it is so common and a conversation around it doesn't have to be as heavy as I have this thing. Yeah. It's like, I know how to manage this thing. And you have, no matter who you are, you have susceptibility to get any virus or STI while you're sexually active. That's just part of the the nature. Even condoms only protect about 82% of STI transmission. It's not foolproof. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all you can do. I have this thing and here's what I know about it and how I manage it. And you get to make your own choice yeah, and research it and see what you think. And I'm human <laughs> and, yeah. and let's not even go down the rabbit hole of um, people of HPV because that one's a really common one. And I actually folks... don't have that one, which I can't believe. And maybe you have it. You and, don't even know. And maybe I have it and I've never. <laughs> Just, it's just sleeping in your body. Oh, really man. sleeping. All right. Anyways. Yeah. The ages. The ages. Fucking it's ages. It's a hell of a thing. <laughs> I see what you did there. You're funny today. <laughs> Am I? Eh. Eh. All right. Well, great question. And remember, again, I will repeat and reiterate because I lived in shame for many years living with this. And it was and is still something that. I don't wear it loud and proud. It took me a long time to even consider talking about it on the podcast because I had so much shame around it. Uh, a couple years. It took me a couple years. I was told my life was over. Uh, I had an ex-boyfriend that said no one will ever have sex with me. No one will ever love me. And I did believe that for a long time. But I have lived with multiple long-term partners that have never had a trace of it, never tested positive for it ever, even after six or seven years with them. So that being said... There is always risk. However, as long as you are smart about it, you will be just fine. Blessings to you. Blessings. All right. Go be honest with all of your future partners. Do it. Honesty is (laughs) the golden key. Well, some people find it hot, too. They might want to have sex with you even more. Fuck yeah. Okay. You ready for a bio? Yeah, girl. Nan Wise, PhD, is a cognitive neuroscientist, professor, licensed psychotherapist, certified sex therapist, board certified clinical hypnotherapist, and certified relationship specialist. She is the author of the book Why Good Sex Matters and has contributed her expert opinion to outlets such as National Geographic, The Atlantic, Time, Glamour, Women's Health Magazine, The Washington Post, HuffPost, Romper, and Bustle. To learn more, visit Ask Dr. Nan. That's A S K D O C T O R N A N dot com. 
Hey, everyone. I'm going to invite April to intro this episode by singing a lovely song by Salt and Pepper called Dr. Nan, Dr. Nan, Dr. Nan. What a fun, mighty fun, Dr. Nan. No. Oh, sorry. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex, baby, <laughs> with Dr. Nan, maybe. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that make we let's, let's talk, talk about, about Dr. Nan. Oh. <laughs> I Dr. like Nan? the Dr. Nan, Dr. Nan, Dr. Nan. What a mighty fine Dr. Nan. But that's uh, not that's salt and pepper. Good. That was. Uh, no, yes, it is. No, it's not. That's not. That is uh, in vogue. Oh, so, what a man. Yeah. So anyway, oh, yeah. she totally put me on the spot, everyone. I wasn't expecting. Either yeah, we didn't plan things. this. So there sorry. You go. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, this episode with Dr. Nan, which actually this isn't, you probably heard this in the actual intro, so we normally I'd be like, it's interview time, but I just really wanted to put April on the spot. Um, let's talk about sex specifically with our partners. Why is this so hard? How can we do this in more efficient, loving ways? And before we do so, welcome Dr. Nan. Is this your 75, 75th time? time on our show? <laughs> yeah. How many times have you been on our show? I don't count because I'm just having the best time with you and I love you and your readers so much I wouldn't sing along because my singing voice is not what I would like it to be. Oh, I bet they would love it, though. They'd be like, yeah, Dr. Nan, encore, more Dr. Nan. I did not look back on the episodes, but I think it's at least six and maybe seven, eight. And we've had your wonderful husband on the show with us before as well. And often you're answering sex questions, which we will do in this episode because we receive wonderful questions from our wonderful listeners. And I think this conversation on how to talk to your partner about sex is such a common issue I in Often April and I are answering sex questions about this. And even when people are answering questions that are not asking this, that's kind of what we're saying. Like, have you talked to your partner yet about it or your future partners? So I also want to yeah. say, just to interject for, for just a, a moment, I sometimes struggle with talking to my partner about sex or partners in the past, even with all the knowledge, because we are still learning. We are all students in this life. And Dr. Nan is probably one of the most resource humans that we have on our show. She's just got all of the credentials, which will be a segue into the first question. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah. So well, I am just as much as of a student as all of you. And I think that this is why we keep having Dr. Nan back besides the fact that she's fucking awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. So Dr. Nan, can you tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? I know you're an author. You are an incredible therapist working with the humans all over. And I also would just like to invite you to share any, uh, you know, personal journeys with your um, own struggles and trials and tribulations. Well, I think it starts with my having always thought sex was very important when I worked with my patients. Before I was a sex therapist, before I was a sex neuroscience researcher, I would ask all of my clients, how's your love life? How's your work life? How's your sex life? Like, duh, how do you feel about being in your body? How, how do you feel about pleasure? What gives you pleasure? And I think part of why I pursued that, because in my own life, come from a long line of people with anxiety, and I think I've talked very openly about my panic attacks in my book and on this show, that I was always trying to, you know, learn more about how I could relax enough into pleasure, both in and out of the bedroom. And I made it my kind of like my life's work. So, you know, when we think about talking about sex, it just dawned on me today when I was working with a client who has a huge issue with worrying about his sexual performance in his marriage and also about talking about sex with his wife. He never had any experience talking about sex, period. His family didn't talk about sex. So when you grow up with people that don't talk about sex and you're surrounded with a kind of either a religious culture or any kind of culture that like doesn't bless your sex life, the shame that people feel even wanting to talk about sex shuts them right down. So I think, April, we're all teaching what we need to know and we're all learning and I think what the two of you are doing, your conversation about sexuality as a regular place where people get to listen is a huge gift to everybody. And I can't tell you how many people have reached out and said, 
I heard you on Shameless Sex and you talked about this or you talked about that, that you create this platform where it's people feel comfortable talking about sex, people are listening about sex and learning about sex is such a huge contribution. I'm as big a fan of you both as you, I think, are of me. So (laughs) I'm blushing, Nan. I am blushing and we're probably your two biggest fans besides Amy's partner who loves you just as much. Uh, So that being said, thank you. Thank you for that. And I think what you're doing as well is creating this, this space, because I was just talking about you. I was out in Philly visiting one of my um, closest friends that I've known for ages. And they were asking me about some of my favorite episodes of shameless sex and her and her husband. And I said, Dr. Nan is always really great to listen to because she combines, you combine this, I think almost this, this, foundational scientific way to think about sex neurologically speaking into also applicable ways that can be applied to everyone no matter your gender no matter your your sexual orientation and you do it in a way that's also foundational if that makes sense because I was trying to explain it and I was like it's so hard to explain but she takes the science and mixes it with the not the spiritual but you do in some ways and that's what I love about it because you normalize it just like we do and this is why we have such a great symbiosis so I just wanted to to say thank you to you and this is why you're back on our show again so because not not just for that because we love drinking with Nan too when we're in New Jersey which we've never been with her (laughs) soon to be happening on her kids farm so my question here the first one because we have sex questions but why is it so hard for people to talk to their partners about sex what's happening in terms of the conditioning in the brain Well, that's a great question. And you know what I talk about in my book, Why Good Sex Matters, at the top of our brains, we figure, yeah, we should talk about sex. Sex is a normal human function. And then in the middle of our learning minds, we've had conditioning where we have people have been so uncomfortable either talking about sex with us or when we try and talk about sex that we learn to experience anything about sex with discomfort. You know, our parents are uncomfortable talking about sex. That just reminded me. I was working with a client today who who can't talk about sex with his wife, and he wants so much to give his kids a sex-positive experience. So there's resources for grown-ups to learn about how they can feel more comfortable in their bodies. And that's a big issue, being in a body, being a body that has sensations and some of them may be even pleasurable, where we can be more comfortable talking to our kids about this. So I have to remember to send him the link for, it's a program called OWL, which I can't remember the acronym, what it's for, but it's about for families, about sex positive Hmm. uh, learning for grownups to be able to communicate that with our children. Hmm. So it makes people uncomfortable. I remember my own son, the one who owns the farm, when we wanted to have that talk with him and he was looking at us and he goes, they, he goes, school pays professionals to have that conversation with me. It make you know, it makes people uncomfortable, even when you're comfortable. So, you know, there's an awkwardness to it. There's a culture that makes sex such a big deal, and yet we can't really feel comfortable about sex. So it's this really crazy, puritanical, messed up relationship that we have with sex and pleasure in our culture. And it hasn't gotten better. Yeah, I think a lot of people think maybe it has gotten better. And maybe in some ways it has because we can do this. You know, we can be on the air talking about sex and say fuck and, you know, and talk about cunnilingus, but we don't say cunnilingus. We talk about going down or eating pussy. And maybe we couldn't do that 50, 100 years ago based on technology or the the morals, you know, the social standards during that time. And yet we still see folks struggling. You know, there still is a lot of shame and a lot of barriers and blockages and I think a lot of it has to do with what is modeled to us and also what is not being taught and uh, not the standard for having these conversations. Even with friend groups, I think people, you know, there's certain things that maybe they can say based, and I think also more so for Volvo-owning individuals hanging out with other Volvo owners and maybe we talk about sex a little more than penis owners with other penis owners. We just did a whole podcast on that with some other penis-owning folks who were shamelessly talking about sex. So um, yeah, it's super, super refreshing. And uh, what was the thing you just found? So OWL is our whole lives and it's 
basically what what Nan was referring to, Owl, it's curriculum, it's comprehensive sexuality curricula for children, teenagers, and young adults. And adults um, basically publish this to help, and it could be related a little bit to some some church stuff. But uh, I think it's a oh, good, like Jesus Unit, might be in there, Unitarian hey, Church, which is exactly, a very exactly churchy it is. church. And I okay. stand corrected, Amy. You're right; it has gotten better in some ways. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. However, you know we're so afraid to talk and use the wrong word and offend somebody. And people are just so ready to jump on each other rather than giving each other the benefit of the doubt. You know, when when someone is using a a word that maybe isn't comfortable for another person, they're not doing it necessarily in a way that's meant to be offensive. It's more important that we can disagree, we can have conversations, and we can stay curious and open and caring. I just think that people are so afraid sometimes even to have conversations, even though there's places like what you're doing where it's really wonderful, because people are afraid they're going to say the wrong thing, they're going to use the wrong term. And rather than giving all of us the benefit of the doubt that we're trying to communicate across people's genders and sexualities and all of that, and it's so good when we can give each other the benefit of the doubt, realize that connection with each other, communication and talking about something like this is so important for us. It feeds us so deeply to have real communication and authentic communication about our sexual selves is wonderful for relationships. So I'm taking it back to how do we frame it for, let's say your listener who's afraid to talk about sex with his partner? Mm-hmm. afraid of that it's going to stir the pot up, afraid of it that it's going to clash with, for example, um, his wife's uh, religious training. If you look at what's the intention of having communication around sex, it's to be more authentic about yourself, about your wants, your your dreams, your needs, what turns you on, what turns you off. It's a sharing of the authentic self that I think is a really good lubricant for a relationship, whether you have sex about that conversation or not. Hmm. Yeah. And so with that, I'm curious about some of the tools that I know that you're saying you're giving people the benefit of the doubt. And there's some kind of little hints as to the things that we can do to maybe make it an easier conversation. But what are some tools to making talking about sex easier with our partners or lovers? So I would suggest that before we do that, before we launch into the conversation, that we frame it in the way to say, you know, gee, honey, there's some things I'd like to share about my sexual self. Do you have the space now to listen to me? So what you're doing is you're not kind of just like leading them into a conversation that maybe they're not quite ready to have, but you're making the suggestion that you would like to have that conversation. If the partner says, no, I'm not ready, you could say something like, okay, do you think maybe you can let me know when a good time tomorrow would be? Or, you know, the next day you can keep the conversation as a possibility and you frame it with, I want to share this with you because I want to feel more authentically connected, or I want to have more fun. I want to know what turns you on. I want to be able to have more fun both in and out of the bedroom. So I'd make it about sex, but it's not just about sex. When we have difficult conversations about anything in a partnership, we're deepening our intimacy and we're really opening up the possibility for more sexual potential. So it's a good practice Partners that do well together really do take the risks to be able to talk about what's uncomfortable and then they're being authentic, they're being vulnerable, which is inviting intimacy. And if you can, you know, not, you can agree not to be judgmental. And also, I think you need to be able to have a conversation about sex in a way that it's off the record, Hmm. meaning It won't be used against you. You're not saying that you have to do these things that you want. It's couples that can do that in general, who can really talk 
deeply with each other and listen deeply. It's kind of an extension of active communication, which is a really good tool for couples to be able to really listen in and really hold that space as sacred. That makes it safe. And when you have a safe space, you can explore. So you're talking about kind of setting up a like a container or a space. So when we talk about sex, I'm going to kind of ask for permission first, not kind of. I'm going to directly ask for permission is now a good time. Okay. If now is not a good time, I'm not going to say, okay, never mind. I'm going to say, okay, when tomorrow. And actually, as you started saying, I was like, oh, what if someone were to say, okay, uh, let me know when. And then what if they never say anything? But I like how you were like, how about tomorrow or the next day? Like, I'm this is important to me. So I'm in the next couple of days. Can you tell me when is a good time? So you're asking that permission piece then when it's a good time you're saying what i'm hearing is we're setting up a little bit of, a, of an intentional safe container where everything here is sacred we're not going to use this against each other and we're being intentional about the way we are communicating and we're really going into that with open ears to really listen to each other okay time for a quick break this podcast is free to you because of our carefully chosen sponsors who create things we love like Dipsy. Life is full of stress and pressure. Emails, laundry, groceries, the list goes on. But it's a new year, so why not try something new and put pleasure as your top priority? Dipsy is an app full of sexy audio and written stories to get you turned on, wellness and sleep sessions to help you wind down and drift off, even games to help you connect with your partner. No matter who you're into or what turns you on, Dipsy can bring you what you need anytime, anywhere. I love drifting off to one of Dipsy's bedtime stories or relaxing soundscapes and then waking up and doing an erotic meditation or a sexy self-touch exercise. I get to explore myself and my fantasies in a safe and shame-free way. Plus, there are hundreds of stories to choose from and they release new content every week so you'll never get bored. And for our listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash shameless. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash shameless. Dipsystories.com slash shameless. Close your eyes and get lost in a world where pleasure is your only priority. This podcast is free to you because of another one of our incredible sponsors, Like a Kitten. Has your sex life fallen into the same old dull routine? Bring that spark back with a fun, sexy box from Like a Kitten. Like a Kitten will ship you a gift box with all your erotic essentials, from vibrators and massage oils to lingerie and handcuffs. With their BYOB box, aka Build Your Own Box, you get to choose one item out of each of their six categories. Toys, beauty products, lubes, games, sexy accessories, and lingerie. Within each category, you have eight or more products you can choose from, so you can build an experience that's customized to your specific desires. This box has everything you need to spice things up again. And what's amazing is that the box only costs $79. Some of the vibrators alone retail for $79. So the entire box of six gifts is a total steal. Right now, Like a Kitten is offering our listeners 20% off and free shipping when you go to likeakitten.com slash shameless or enter code shameless at checkout. Just go to likeakitten.com slash shameless or use code shameless to get 20% off these incredible boxes. Likeakitten.com slash shameless. The link is in the episode's description. All right, back to the interview. We have some sex questions here too from some listeners that we will dive into. But my question is, some people feel really lost. This is, I'm not phrasing this as a question, but I, some people feel really lost as how do I do that though? You say, be intentional, listen, but how do I do these things? Maybe they think they're a great listener and they're not, or they aren't a great listener, or they feel like they listen, but then they interrupt or their partner interrupts them. You know, what are some guidance on how they can navigate that space? Well, you can ask the partner, what do they need? What do you need? So this would feel like a fun place for us to explore this without any kind of obligation. I think what scares people about talking about sex is that they feel like if they've discussed it, then they've got to do it. They're kind of they're making this somehow a commitment. So there is no kind of idea that this is just exploring together. So you can ask your partner, like, you know, there's some things I wanted to discuss about sex. How would that, how would that feel for you? What would make it relaxed and safe for you or to feel like it would be fun to explore? Or you can share with your partner and say, there's some things I just want to talk about it. And I'm making it clear that I'm not making any demands. 
I'm not trying to railroad you into something that maybe you're not interested in. I just like to explore. I want to penetrate your psyche with my psyche, and I want to learn more about you, what turns you on, or what what you want. What What's like, how's it going for you? You know, it's fun. It can be fun to go to those scary places together. We can be excited. It doesn't matter how long you are with somebody. You can be married for 40 years like I am. You don't know everything about that person's hopes, wishes, and dreams, their sexual selves, because we're always evolving. So to ask your, you know, I could say to John, hey, how are you feeling about sex with me lately? How are you feeling about, is there stuff that you want to explore or talk about? What's up for you? It's an invitation. It's a bid for connection, which is good for relationships. Hmm. The invitation piece, I think, is huge. And I just want to uh, just give light to something. So I sometimes, when I, when I interview, or and Amy and I do, people that have really great advice that I write notes on, which I was doing during this dialogue between us, I make notes because I tend to get lost in the heat of the moment, right? So uh, all of the tools go out the door when I'm trying to communicate something in a sexual moment or in a triggered moment or, and that's why referring to these things and becoming your, your best self, where you have to slide into your real adult role. Sometimes an adult sounds boring, but making it fun at the same time where it's an invitation. It's not a call to action or a, a demand. It's an invitation, which I think is hard to do sometimes when it's really important to you. So I just wanted to give light to folks out there. If you're anything like me, sometimes I get stuck in that, like, well, but you can correct yourself and then ask in the way that is maybe uh, easier to be heard, whether you're the person that is a listener or the person that is speaking, um, because that's the thing. We, we are evolving all the time. So it's important to make the corrections and apologize. But actually, wait, I wanted to ask you in, in this way that I heard Dr. Nan suggest, because can I try that again. I think, yes. <laughs> can I, can I try? Because I do. I, and I don't know if you have anything to say to that, but it's sometimes it's a practice, as you said. So sometimes don't be hard on yourself and rewind the podcast and relist to what Nan said, because I think it's important. That's why I'm taking notes. First of all, just to um, give a context, I wouldn't have this conversation while you're having sex or about to have sex. And you might not even want to have it in the bedroom. You might want to create it as a container someplace else so that it's not kind of feeling like, oh, we've got to go and do sex now. You know, like in a, in a, like a safer context. And as far as what you said, April, one of the reasons why it's so good to have regular, safe communication with partners about anything and everything, as we speak, we hear things in ourselves that then we might say, well, that's not exactly what I meant, or that's not really how I'm thinking about it. Now that I hear myself speaking, what it's about for me is more of this, you know? So, you know, giving ourselves the time and the luxury of kind of like foreplay in communication, meaning we're not rushing to get to some kind of, you know, complete understanding of the partner or some sort of plan for going forward. It's really being able to ease into the experience of enjoying that back and forth, that listening and being listened to is really a very wonderful way to get attuned to the partner. Yeah, that's really good. Sometimes people's experiences can also take over because I am a heady human. When I get into what I'm trying to say and I'm like, wow, they're really not getting what I'm saying right now. And then sometimes it takes a moment. So just dropping with patience is, is good. And yeah, I, I love your advice. We're going to get into a sex question, but I just wanted to, I wanted to add a piece to that because I thought it was important. Um, no one's perfect. Remember that everyone, we don't have to do things perfectly. It's an evolution of a relationship It's an evolution in yourself. And I think that's an issue in relationship. We hold a partner to being perfect or doing perfectly, yeah. you know, like if you don't say things perfectly, it's so much pressure. So not going to go or down the going road. Into bit, the, yeah. You always, yeah. or you never, you never do it this way. Let's leave those things out. Yeah. That's not nice. Let's do the sex question. All right. Ready, Dr. Nan. So the subject is I'm afraid to talk to my wife about my sexual desires. It's from a 50-year-old cis male. 
I used to believe anal sex was either taboo or only for gay men. However, now that I've learned about prostate orgasms, I'm desperate to get pegged, but I'm afraid to talk to my wife about it. I've been married more than 10 years. I have two young children. I'm afraid if I share, she will reject me and my desires and maybe ruin my family. What do I do? Well, first of all, take a deep breath. And I always say to people that our come from is important. If we're really anxious and we're anxietizing energetically in the room, our partners pick that up. So even if his wife is not going to be agitated by the actual nature of the question, his tension, his anxiety about this can be almost contagious. So first of all, I think coming to terms with that, A, number one, it's okay for him to want this. Number two, if you understand that having a good scientific rationale for things can be very useful. What we know is as we get a little bit older, sometimes we don't get quite the same experience from activities that really put us over the top before because there are some changes in people's responsivity as a result of hormones and not to say that somebody who's 50 years old is you know ready to be put out for pasture you can have a great sex life as long as you're alive and breathing but here's my fabulous rationale why this would be a wonderful thing for him to try out and to enroll his wife in the idea of even considering is when you add anal stimulation, you're using another set of sensory nerves that send information to the place in your brain that processes sensation and reward. So, you know, by adding the anal stimulation and kind of stimulating his prostate, he's going to increase his capacity for experiencing pleasure. And it doesn't even have to be because he's 50. It could be just wanting to explore pleasure pathways that have been stigmatized in the past in culture because people think that, you know, if you want it in the butt, you're gay, which is totally not true. And what if you were, but you're not. And this is a way, first of all, understanding in relationships that if we give our partners the benefit of the doubt and we come from it in a more relaxed, playful, and curious way, that becomes contagious. So if he's more relaxed, if he's come to terms with that, what he wants and what he needs really needs to be as important to his partner as what she wants and what she needs is important to him. Right. So there's that kind of one of the things we know about good relationships is people make what their partners want and need as important as what they want and need. So right there his being willing to ask one of the big mistakes people make in relationship is they don't take a stand and ask for what they want or need. And they're making she's making an assumption that she's going to be very close minded. She might or she might not be. But he's not giving her the opportunity to feel her way into this and to get curious into it. Maybe she would like some more sexual pleasure too. And maybe by starting up this conversation, and again, I would say that one of the important things is I know he wants this. He really wants experience prostate you know, stimulation, he needs to take a step back and think about instead of making this that he needs it, he wants it, that he can think about enrolling himself in the idea he can make the suggestion. You don't always get what you want. Rolling stones. But if you try (laughs) sometimes, you might get what you need, right? (laughs) Nice. And he's presupposing that she's going to be shut down about it. And if she is, they can deal with that. There are worse things. You know what the biggest risk to relationship is? Not taking a risk. Mm -hmm. When you don't take a risk, if you don't ask for what you want, if you don't 
try to explore stuff. You go into being in a coma in a relationship and people start to shut down. You're not learning together. You're not exploring together. And then you're not challenging yourself or your partner. He needs to maybe give her a little bit more credit. And even if she gets upset, she might get upset and they can talk about that too. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah, totally. And I think what a lot of people are afraid of is if if I share this thing that I'm desiring more of that my partner will think that they're not enough to right so if I want to desperately get pegged it means I'm not happy with the sex that we're having and to me I've been there and probably been on all sides of it but I've been there in that fear you know if I share this thing they're going to think they're not enough and I think that there's a way that we can do a lot of extra reassurance and that you you did that already Nancy by the way but um you know ways we say this is there's nothing broken here or wrong here i think we're really good and i have this other desire that just would add even more pizzazz here right so you're kind of selling it as like a bonus as to like oh there's a major rupture problem here which i think and you're it's not selling like you're a salesperson and you because it's still authentic but i think when we can share something out of being a bonus of enhancing connection or um, aliveness as opposed to being coming out of a void or a problem then it's a little more enticing as a partner i don't know what do you think you raise a very important point amy whenever you talk about anything with a partner Start with four wins. What's really good? So, you know, I've been really enjoying that, you know, this about our sex life and that about our sex life. And this is true about any kind of conversation with a partner is to start with what works and what's working well. And as far as kind of navigating this fear that he has about her judging him or shutting down. So another important thing to understand, which also creates sort of these differences that people have in terms of how much they like to explore or not, is that we have different erotic fingerprints. I talk about this in my book. So a person who likes to explore, like the gentleman who would like to experience prostate stimulation and to be pegged, is probably somebody who falls into the category of the explorer who likes to really kind of learn and grow with their sex life. His wife might be more of the soulful lover who it's all about the connection. And I think by people understanding that we're wired a little bit differently, just like we have different personalities, we have different sexual personalities. And so sometimes it can make us understand that it's not that we're not enough, It's our partners enjoy different kinds of things than we might. So it's not enough versus not enough. It's we're different. And I think most of what drives our issues in terms of problems in relationship is differences, core differences. So by being able to kind of understand that "Mm, maybe I like to explore a little bit more than my partner, but it's not that she's wrong. She's just different. And to be able to accept the differences and also find some, shall we say, common ground and that being able to work with the differences expands us all. Okay, time for a quick break. This podcast is free to you because of our amazing sponsors like Uberlube. Uberlube is a luxurious silicone lubricant that can enhance your sex and intimacy. Uberlube's unique formula is velvety, long-lasting, with no flavor or scent, and it feels absolutely incredible on the body. There are thousands of doctors recommending Uberlube to their patients because it's less likely to throw off your pH than most other lubes. So whether you want to make your hot sex even hotter or you want to prevent dryness, take our advice and check out our favorite go-to, Uberlube. Uberlube isn't just for sex. I use it for massage, to tame my frizzy hair, to prevent chafing, even for oral sex sessions. I love how it comes in a beautiful bottle with a pump top for easy access, appearing more like a cosmetic product so you can leave it on your nightstand shamelessly. Uberlube is without a doubt my favorite lube, and countless listeners agree, often stating, we never knew lube could be this good. To learn why we think it's the best lube on the planet, check out uberlube.com and use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's uberlube.com, use code SHAMELESSSEX for 10% off and free shipping. 
This podcast was also made possible by OMGS.com. OMGS combines scientific research of real vulva owners so you can learn shame-free techniques on how to pleasure the pussy. OMGS studied 20,000 plus people of all ages and turned the research into animated modules, short videos, and beautiful infographics that are tasteful and easy to understand. Whether you want to learn about external pleasure, internal stimulation, or techniques with toys, OMGS can help you master vulva pleasure. Let me tell you, I've been recommending OMGS to my clients for years and it's been changing their lives because knowledge really can activate your pleasure power. OMGS is for anyone who cares about vulva pleasure and wants to take it to the next level. OMGS can help you become a sexual strategist by equipping you with the tools you need to unlock your pleasure potential. Plus, your OMGS purchase helps fund more pleasure research. OMG, that's great. Only pay once and these techniques are yours forever. That's right. This is not a subscription service and you don't need to download a thing. So go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off when you purchase any OMGS season. Again, go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Time to pursue your pleasure. And now back to the show. I, when you said explore, I don't know if you were picturing this picture and someone with like a headlamp on their head. <laughs> so they were like, like a spelunker. Yeah. But like in the, like they're like deep in the pussy or something. <laughs> Like, let me get in there. And I think it probably came from the last podcast we were just recording with the guys from Harder Soft Podcast. And they're talking about wearing double dildos on their chin and things, too. It's interesting. I'm looking at these two sex questions that we have. And they're both from people who identify as men who are married with children, actually. So and I want to just let listeners know who are are listening to this, that we do get this same sex question from vulva owners, from cis women who are saying, I desire more sex or more variety in sex. I just don't want to put us in that narrow category that it just like comes from this perspective that is is not just penis owning testosterone driven people that are feeling this way so with that i'm going to dive into this next question which and nan i think you have a lot of great points that will carry over into this next one too um and so this is from question two man in passionless marriage with children he's not married to the children by the way he just has children i love my wife and we've been together for almost 20 years however our sex life is on life support My wife is traditional and deeply religious, and basically anything outside of traditional penis-to-vagina penetration is a no-go. I've tried having these conversations in the past, but she's either uncomfortable, and anything I suggest outside of regular sex is like pulling teeth. I'm ashamed to admit that I've thought about infidelity, and even when we do have sex, I don't feel present because it's so predictable, and I usually imagine having sex with someone else. I've thought about voicing my frustrations and broaching the subject of an open relationship, but I know what the answer will be. I really feel like my only options are leaving or cheating. I don't want to do anything to hurt my wife or children, but I'm not sure what other options I have. Ooh, Great question. And I'll tell you, I hear this so much. What I will say to this is the kind of open relationship this couple needs is not open with each other. It's open with each other. So what he needs to do is take the risk to tell his wife, and it's actually his job as a partner, to let her know how important being able to explore something other than the regular penis, vagina, uh, you know, like missionary orgasms in the man on top thing, that he's at the point where he is so frustrated and having a hard time being present. He owes that to her before he acts anything out. And why, why throw out the baby with the bathwater? What I have learned from the years of working with couples is usually... When somebody acts out or they throw the baby out with the bathwater, it's a disaster. And had they had the courage to push back hard on the partner and say, look, I know that you keep saying no. Honestly, I am so frustrated. I'm thinking about this doesn't work for me. And they should go talk to me. They should come talk to me. They should book a session so that I can help them understand the differences. Now, you know, typically, it's much more common that women in long-term relationships lose that active sexual desire, which means they may be less interested in exploring something new. 
The active desire is the feeling of, you know, kind of really wanting the partner where the receptive desire lies beneath that can be cultivated. However, it's really, really important that we think of this as a relationship issue as opposed to a sexual issue. If you're ready to throw your relationship out the window, first of all, I would never tell people like that to open a relationship. You don't open a relationship to fix something like that, you know? And that it really is calling this particular person forth to have a very honest and very difficult relationship with his wife. Because he's not giving her the chance to realize just what's at stake here. And that's his job to explain what's at stake. If having a more varied sex life where he can feel passion is going to be important to him, which it is. And it's not an unusual thing for somebody to want a passionate marriage, to want to be able to explore with their partner. If he thinks about it, it's really his job to take the risk to tell her how he's really feeling and to get support like a, you know, a sex therapist or somebody who can hold the space for them that can understand each other's differences address her fears about what might happen if she explores something other than what she's comfortable with if she goes outside of her comfort zone, and to create, instead of having a breakdown of the relationship, to create a breakthrough, better understanding. Do you think, because this digital age, Nan, and I want to know your opinion about this, a lot of times folks, so they have these cheating or if they had um, a session with a sex worker, their partners might not be comfortable, especially when you bring religion and deep religious values into that situation. There might be a lot of shame and uncomfortability with those two options, right? Cheating, of course, for lots of reasons and sex workers for other reasons. What about now that there's so much digital variety out there suggesting like, doing a session with a cam worker so you could use a sex toy and have a session with or a VR situation in porn where there's thousands of video content. Is that something that could be approachable perhaps? Or is that something that you would more suggest? Obviously, foundationally meeting with a therapist would be the first go-to. But if someone's a hard no about the cheating or opening up their relationship, as you said, that sounds like that might be very detrimental to the success of their relationship or leaving because they have children. Would that be a good option or would you suggest some other avenues i just always wonder because i always thought that would be a good option like it's not like you're cheating but with the sex worker no no with the cam and digital and like you're not touching them you're not touching them and it's a cam worker so it's a cam model and you have a sex toy that you can put on your cock while you're basically pretending the cam models fucking you or there's porn that you can link up to digital content this is the 2022 now so there's lots of sex tech out there that could be variety for this person that's a very good point april and you know it just goes to show how sex and technology are taking us down these routes that one could never even imagine. It's probably going to go to way crazier spaces than we've even thought about. However, I am always thinking about integrity and meaning this person being integrity with his partner. If she's totally disinterested in exploring anything other than vanilla sex with him, That's an interesting piece of information that I think needs to be pursued a little bit more before you go look for a solution. Now, obviously, this man can stimulate his own rectum. There are things he can do on his own. But the minute you start creating other content, meaning people involved, I think it's, you know, it's something I really think that if the woman was on board and say, honey, it's not my thing. You could do this and I'm okay with it. That's one thing. But I don't think it's likely that someone who is so traditional is going to truly embrace the idea even of a virtual experience. But you know what? Again, it's talking about sex. It relates totally to what we were talking about, about having the difficult conversations, taking the risks. That's our job as partners, Mm. to be able to really truly let our partners know what's at stake, why this is important to us. And I also would suggest that he give his partner a copy of Sinless Sex, which is that wonderful book by Pastor William Staten Mm -hmm. that actually talks about all the 
the crap that people learn that they conflate with religious practices about sex that's totally not really founded in true religion. Mm-hmm. You know, where religion has some real hangups that they are communicating, but that's not really part of the religion per se. It's more about the culture around the religion mm. that could be educated. There's books that can read. They can read my book and understand about their sexual differences. They can get curious. And when we say passion, passion in relationship comes from really taking some risks. It's not about the sex positions that we do, right? Because we can habituate to those as well. It's about the willingness to take ourselves and our partners to penetrate each other's minds, to go to the scary places, to be relating to each other instead of living in that dead-end relationship. Mm. I've actually had so many sex questions about religion. I've never really known a lot of good references. So that's really cool. That book, Sinless Sex, that you're talking about. And um, and I'll yeah, definitely utilize that in the future. And, and uh, what I'm hearing here is a lot of options C, D, E, F, instead of just A or B, which this person said, either stay and be miserable or cheat. Or, you know, in, instead of there's actually there's so many other options here. And, you know, are they just talking about I just need I want to feel wanted and desired by my partner or other people? Is it about sex? Is it just about connection? What I just be happy if we were just holding hands and kissing more often you know it's like such a dynamic or complex thing and there's a lot of options there when we have the deeper conversations and maybe not though you know a partner might still be like no fuck no this is how i am i'm not willing to do the work but then even that creates some sort of option for moving forward in knowing how to navigate it and it says that she's uncomfortable and sometimes the discomfort drives growth right so maybe perhaps like your last suggestion when we were talking about the person that wanted more anal penetration and to be pegged, it could be brought into this conversation where, Hey, this conversation might be uncomfortable for you. And I understand that. However, it's important to me. It's really important to Mm -hmm. me. So it it all can kind of interlace with one another. Right. And it's important for him to tolerate his discomfort about bringing this up with her and pushing beyond the no. And when I say beyond the no, not that you have to do this, but this is so important to me that I was even considering cheating or leaving. Mm -hmm. And you know what I find when I get couples in that get to that point, what opens up are so many issues that haven't been discussed. And there are dreams and wishes that she might have frustrations about the marriage, her, her perspective on all of this that may be very different than his. It may Mm. be how she perceives him in terms of as a partner and as as a person, that airing that out and opening that up, that's where the open relationship comes from between the two people. She might be watching gangbang porn when you're not home. You yeah. don't even know. Yeah. You yeah. might be surprised. Yeah. I, like, I really. Seriously, I mean, she should, might be using her vibrator in the corner that's what every I'm night. Yeah. She might be in the shower, like, oh, yes. Or I've got time by myself. Or she's she's deeply hurt or resentful also, yes. or ha- there's things that she's desiring or, or that she's, you know, that she might think that you'd be upset about if she were to divorce him. And, you know, we don't know the answer to these things, but anything's possible. Well, I'd like that Nan was like, call me. Yeah. Talk to me, talk to a professional yeah. if, if you can't reach Nan because you're busy, which I don't want, I don't want to go, but we always have to end a show and I hate it. It's not it's like it's, we just got started. It's not goodbye. <laughs> I know. I'm like, no, but it is, it, it is a good time to, uh, to close because you are available. You are an incredible doctor, psychotherapist, your credentials. It goes on and on. And you heard this in the intro. And if people want to work with you, if folks like this, because you work with all sorts of folks, not just heteros cis long-term couples you work with lots of folks out there you've had this book and you you're just an incredible resource for people so will you let our listeners know how they can find you or buy your book and or buy your book and she'll be on our show again so don't worry don't worry she'll we be could back. answer your sex questions if you have one you can always ask us well, and uh can yes book a free 15 minute consult with me and i just a lot of what i love doing and it's through my website ask drnan.com doctor with all the letters d-o-c-t-o-r nan.com you can find my book through my website my book's also on amazon why good sex matters understanding the neuroscience of pleasure for a smarter happier more purposeful life and 
What I find is sometimes people call me up, we have a brief conversation, and it opens the door for them to think a little bit differently. Sometimes we need to get out of our frames. We get coaching for everything these days. People have exercise coaches, trainers, people get all sorts of input on all sorts of things. Relationships and our capacity to connect and have pleasure with each other is probably the most important thing. And if you think of this woman, if she has two small kids, a lot of people's hesitance, women's hesitance to explore is they're exhausted. Yeah, 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 sure. She's probably been enculturated with all of the sort of traditional ways of looking, but she's probably exhausted too from taking care of kids and dealing with things like the pandemic and working in or out of the house. We need to recognize that pleasure and the ability to connect and to take risks with each other makes us happier and healthier in the long run. So get uncomfortable enough to have these conversations and you're going to create a lot of connection and breakthroughs. People get upset, get over it, get mad, get over it, get horny and get over it, all of that. Call Dr. Nan, Dr. Nan, Dr. Nan. What, what a mighty, mighty, mighty good Nan. What a mighty, mighty good Nan. Woohoo. I couldn't help myself. We entered with that. We had to exit with that. But Dr. (laughs) Nan, this is why you are such an incredible asset for Shameless Sex listeners and and for the world. And all that you do is is so appreciated by us. Gratitude. So much gratitude for you. Right back at you. What you've done for the world, making it a safer space to talk about sex without shame is really, really important. That's when I start to crack. Yeah. Love you, ladies. We love you so much. And to all of our listeners out there, I'm inviting you right now to have a conversation with your iPhone or your (laughs) Android phone and go on iTunes and let us know how much you love Shameless Sex and all of the incredible guests that we host on our show that help you have a better, more empowered sex life. And I'm not using empowered as a buzzword. I'm using it because I really do feel like we are trying our best to help you every day and give you all the tools out there that you could need to have the best sex of your life and just be a better human. So five stars. We read every single review. Amy reads most of them in screens of shitty ones because I start to cry. I get sad. So give us good ones so I don't get sad and I get glad. (laughs) All right, y'all. We'll see you next Tuesday for another episode of Shameless Sex. Thank you for being part of the Shameless Sex Revolution. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.